Are we supposed to be recording something funny right now? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is that it? <laughs> Welcome to episode 71 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Chris Jensen, a PhD student at Florida State University and a bookseller at The Bookshelf. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Today, we are going to recap the books that I read in May. May reading recap. So, here we go. Here they are. So, the first is Brighton. And when I think of Brighton, I think of the son on the nanny. <laughs> because that was that character's name. You're right. I Brighton Sheffield. Oh my gosh. I think of those ugly purses women carry. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, was that harsh? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, sorry. We're going to keep that in. Sorry. It's not a Birkin bag, I'll tell you that. Oh, Rory. And yeah, that's where I am in Gilmore Girls right now. Oh, gosh, those are expensive. Yeah. But that is not what this book is about. <laughs> well, this is Brighton by Michael Harvey. Um, I read this book in ARC format. Um Publisher sent it to me wanting it, me to read it over like a weekend because mm-hmm. Indie Next reviews were due. Um, so I happily read it. It is completely outside my genre in the sense that it is being compared to, let's see, The Town, the movie The Town. Oh. Um, kind of gritty Bostonian fiction, kind of along the lines of John Grisham, I guess. Which I do read the occasional John Grisham book. I haven't read him in a very long time. But like when we were very first married, Jordan and I would read them together mm. because he was in law school. And right. So it was fun. Yeah. Um, but I have not read him in years. But that is what Brighton by Michael Harvey is being compared to. So I read it over the weekend, happily submitted a review because I did enjoy it. To me, it is a perfect Father's Day gift uh-huh. because it is very, and I hate to say this because I don't want to. I don't want to come across as one of those people who's like, these books are for men and these books are for women. But I think our male readers are going to really like Brighton. Um, Kind of gritty, an element of, um, kind of reminded me a little bit of Defending Jacob um, in that these two guys grow up in Boston and the first half of the book is kind of them growing up on the wrong side of the tracks Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then you kind of see where growing up there leads them. And so Mm -hmm. kind of... One of them, this is no spoiler, but one of them kind of grows up and becomes a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. And then the other one is like kind of a drug kingpin. Okay. And so the town, the departed, yes, all these kinds all of, of those yeah, kinds yeah. of things. And I liked it because I like things set in Boston weirdly. And I'm very, I don't know, this, surely someone will turn this book into a movie um, because it reads very much like a TV show Interesting. or movie. Um, Dark, uh, kind of some strong language, I thought, but but pretty compelling. Like, at first, it was a little slow for me to get into, but I honestly think that's strictly because it's outside my typical genre. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad to have read it, and I think I will be able to recommend it for a Father's Day gift, lots of um, our male readers, or people maybe like me, wives coming in looking for something that their husbands are going to want to read together. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Family beach vacation, and you're trying to buy something for your husband, I think. Brighton fits the bill, and I happily 
submitted re- my review, not because my sales rep was pressuring, pressuring me to, but because I really did enjoy it. Um, very different read for me. Not something I would typically, certainly not something I would have picked up on my own. And do you know when it comes out? I believe that it comes out early June because it comes out pre-Father's Day. So probably the 7th. Yeah, probably soon. Um, so I'll put in the show notes when it's coming out cool. so that if you're interested, you can check it out at your local library or go to your local bookseller. <laughs> this next one you didn't love as much, I don't think. Um, Rich and Pretty. Okay, so Rich and Pretty. And I think probably there are people listening to this cringing right now because it has gotten great reviews. I just saw that um, one of the booksellers, I really respect his taste. He works for Avid Bookshop in right. Athens. And he gave it excellent reviews on Goodreads. So I feel very alone because Rich and Pretty, unlike Brighton, is exactly the kind of book I love. The cover's fantastic. I think the title's pretty clever. And it's what happens to these two adult friends when they become adults. So they've been friends mm-hmm. forever um, since birth as close as sisters. And now they're in their early 30s kind of, it's not even a coming of age tale. It's what do we do now that we're grown ups? How do we stay friends? It's the having come of age. Yes, tale. exactly. Yeah. Okay. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> like that is totally my my bag. But I this one fell flat for me. I do love the premise and I love the title because the title comes from this segment of the book where these two friends are together and they're reminiscing that a guy in high school saw them and said, "You take rich, I'll take pretty." And I thought that was really cute and clever and kind of fun because sure enough, one of those one of the characters is like this vivacious, interesting, independent young woman, but she's best friends with this girl who grew up moneyed and now she works for a charity and she's kind of in the New York City elite. I'd recommend it for folks who enjoyed Everybody Rise by Stephanie Clifford. This book, for whatever reason, everything was there. All the elements were there and I just did not enjoy it and I couldn't even tell you why. Just didn't cook here. Just, yeah. yeah. And, and so I feel even bad about giving my review because... Because I think other people will probably love it. Other people do love it. Um, but for me, it just didn't work. And and I have no reason to give for that, mm. uh, which I'm sure people are like, Annie, this is not helpful at all. Um, but maybe for that reason, it would make a good book club book mm. because it would be kind of fun to see you know, a lot of book clubs, at least my book club, is made up of 20, 30, 40 somethings. Mm-hmm. And so... I think they probably would be interested in a subject like this. And maybe you could then, as a group, kind of figure out what you liked and didn't like about it. Love it or love it. Yeah, exactly. And I will say, I did give it to our regular kind of podcast contributor, Hunter. Mm -hmm. And he read it, and he also did not like it. So I don't feel totally alone. Um, But this type of book is just normally my thing and this was just not. Mm. So, God, I hate that I don't have details for you, but... But expert in the genre, very well read in the genre, just not working. Just not working for me. That that happens. I know. I hate that it did, though, because I, I think it's probably a great summertime mm-hmm. book, too, like beach bag kind of book, um, a little more literary than maybe some beach bag books. So, so try it. Maybe you, reader, listener, will like it. It just wasn't for me. Hmm. And that's Rich and Pretty by Ramad Alam. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is one that I'm very curious about, A Man Called Ove. Man Called Ove. If you follow me on Instagram, you have seen me talk a little bit about this book. My book club read it last month, um, or earlier this month. 
This was one that I put off for a while, and let me tell you why. People rave about this book. It's mm. by Frederick Bachman. It's been out for a while. It's a Swedish translation. Um, one of our customers loved it, raved about it. So I have talked before on the podcast that if somebody I know loves or raves about a book, I don't always feel the need to read it right. because I can sell it based on their recommendation. Mm -hmm. So I was already selling this book based on somebody else's recommendation, but I voted for it for our book club book because I did want to read it. And then I kept putting it off because I thought it was going to be schmaltzy and Hallmark movie-esque. <laughs> And instead, it was a complete delight. Not that Hallmark movies are not delightful. Um, but <laughs> I thought that this was... I think Rebecca and I have both described it as a cozy book. Oh, and I okay. think that that's completely accurate. Um, it feels like a book that should be read in the fall or winter. I think books kind of fall into seasons. And I think this one should be read in fall or winter. That being said, I read it in May and found it to be lovely. It's about a crotchety old man called Ove. And he has just lost his wife. And you kind of discover that he is ready to end his life. Like mm. the, and that's not, that happens in the first couple of chapters. You kind of are starting to see the writing on the wall, that he is ready to depart from this life into the next. Um, but instead, things keep happening that prevent him from doing that. And the way that the writer and the translator kind of cover this is hilarious, like darkly funny. Um, there's a scene where... I, don't, I hope that this isn't giving anything away. It's in the first couple chapters, but he's trying to hang himself. Mm -hmm. And he has checked like to make sure that everything in the ceiling is tight enough and that nothing's going to fall and he's not going to leave a mess and he's rented like clear plastic sheets. And then the rope breaks. And he's like, I can't even find a rope. Like, he's just this crotchety old man. And I say old man, but I believe he is 59 years old in the mm. book. But he seems so much older. He's just this curmudgeon. And um, I, you kind of fall in love with him. And he's got some new neighbors that kind of invade his privacy a little bit. And the book kind of goes from there. It's, it's a delightful book. If you've been putting it off, if you're like me and you just weren't sure if this book was for you, I honestly think it's for most anybody. Mm. I think a lot of people could pick up this book and read it. We were talking about Brighton as like a, a more male-centered book. This is a book for men, women, old, young. My book club universally loved it, and that is very rarely the case. <laughs> um, so really great book. And Frederick Buckman has a couple of books out, all of which people really seem to enjoy. His newest one is called Brit Marie Was Here. I reviewed it a few... That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay, I've been thinking this oh. whole time. We talked about this. I know we've talked about this book. But we didn't. We, we talked about didn't. the other one. We talked about the other one, but it's interesting that you say that. The other one is called Brit Marie Was Here, and it is about a curmudgeonly old woman. Woman, yes. And I am very curious. All came back to me. I am so curious. That book just released two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious to know if readers are going to find her as delightful and as compelling, because I have a theory that we find older gentlemen... Yep. When they are curmudgeonly, we find them to be pleasantly curmudgeonly. And when we find women who are that way, we kind of describe them in other terms. <laughs> other not nice terms. Uh, other That's, not nice I terms. think that is a great theory to describe something terrible. Yes. Okay. So we'll have to talk about it sometime. Jordan and I get into intense discussions about it frequently because I am going to grow up and be an old woman and what is going to happen to me. And I will grow up and be an old man. And what will happen will to find, me? People will find you adorable. Probably, but that's not fair to <laughs> it's anybody. It's not fair. So anyway, I'm very curious to know if this will translate in literature yeah. as well. And I'm curious if people will enjoy Brit Marie as much as they enjoy Ove. So yeah. that being said, Man Called Ove, 
truly wonderful. If you're looking for like a gift for somebody that you don't know what they like to read, give them this because literally everyone I know who has read it has loved it. Excellent. I am going to pick that one up. You should. I actually think you'd like it a lot. Because everybody does. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of a book that a lot of people like. Okay. Um, Pride and Prejudice. Right, Pride and Prejudice. Um, And Eligible is a take on that. Am I remembering that right? You are remembering that right. So in fact, everybody's talking about Eligible right now, but really, I don't remember the name of the society, but I think some Austin society has requested or encouraged authors, modern writers, to re reconfigure their favorite Jane Austen novels. So I read Emma by um, the man who wrote the number one ladies detective agency, Alexander McCall Smith. Yes. He wrote Emma. Um, and I enjoyed that very much. Eligible. I was a little hesitant about only because Pride and Prejudice is my favorite Jane Austen novel. And I know everybody's rolling their eyes because it's most people's favorite Jane Austen. Because it's the best. Um, but I really, you and I have talked before, and maybe we should devote a whole podcast to the fact that you are Elizabeth Bennet uh-huh. and I am Mr. Darcy. This is true. <laughs> so, because I completely resonate with almost with those two characters so much. So much. Um, that Pride and Prejudice just has to be my favorite. They're INFJ, Yeah, so I, anyway, I love Pride and Prejudice. I love Curtis Sittenfeld. She has written many books that I love. Um, Prep, uh, American Wife, I think she wrote. Anyway, really like a lot of what she does. So I picked up Eligible because one of my book club members like whispered to me in the book club meeting, have you read Eligible yet? And I said, no, I don't know if I should. I don't really like, I don't always love Mm -hmm. like read. Yeah, Yeah. I don't. Like I didn't do Pride and Prejudice and Zombies or whatever. You didn't shocker, think I would read that? shocker of the decade. <laughs> Annie didn't read Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. What? I feel like I read outside my genre all the time. Um, so anyway, my book club friend was kind of whispering to me, and she was like, "You have to read Eligible. I think you're going to love it. It is set on a bachelor-like set." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> oh. Um, okay. So I went to the bookshelf, grabbed one of our copies, and came home. And then just read the whole thing and stayed up till 2 a.m. And <laughs> read the whole thing. That's a glowing review. <laughs> um, I do think it is a glowing review because it, this could have gone so horribly mm-hmm. wrong. And instead, I thought it was hilarious. I loved it. It reminded me of the YouTube series, Lizzie Bennet Diaries, mm-hmm. that I also mm-hmm. think translated Pride and Prejudice so very well. Um, Lydia and Kitty, the, you know, mm-hmm. kind of obnoxious <laughs> sisters in the in the book are crossfit trainers which i just i mean that alone um they've uh, curtis sittenfeld made um made elizabeth and jane a little bit older which mm-hmm. i kind of liked like they were in their late 30s early 40s i think um darcy is a medical doctor and then um yes there's a bachelor type show called eligible that plays a role I, I just love this book. I mean, the fact that I stayed up till 2 a.m. really does say it all because I don't yeah. often do that. But I was book hung over the next day happily. I texted my friend and I was like, you were right. I loved this book. It was delightful. It was utterly delightful. So if you are getting on a plane, if you are taking a vacation, this needs to be with you. It is so good. I just loved it. Excellent. Yeah, really liked that one. Eligible, Curtis Sittenfeld. 
Got it. Put it on your list. Put it on your list. Um, less fun subject matter, I think, the girls. Yeah, yes, <laughs> significantly less fun. Um, the girls, most of you will be familiar with already because it is getting a ton of publicity. Love you'll press recognize right now. the cover, I think, more than you'll recognize the title because it's because it's pretty striking. It's this royal blue cover with kind of this pop art, mm -hmm. this '60s girl on the front, and kind of graffiti handwriting. Anyway, it, the cover is really striking, and this book is everywhere. Um, we got a couple of advanced reader copies and I snagged one. I did not fully know what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. I kind of read it without knowing too much, except um, I loved the first sentence, which was something about the girls laughing in the distance. It was yeah. just really striking. And so I thought, okay, I'll take this home. Um, then it turned out that the girls, I, I think is probably very loosely based um, on the Manson murders. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I don't know that the author has come out and said that. I don't know that Emma Klein has said that, but that is certainly what this book is channeling. Basically, 1960s, 70s, um, 14 to 16, 17-year-old girls, and they're enamored with this kind of cult leader, mm -hmm. Richard. And then it, the story kind of goes from there. Um, the story focuses on one of the girls. She's a 14-year-old who's acting like she's 16. Um, this book has so much to say about growing up girl. Mm. Um, it actually would be a really interesting uh, companion read to that book I read and put down because I was so depressed by it called American Girls, Social Media <laughs> right. and the Art of the or and the Life of the American Teenager. Um, because there is in particular one paragraph in girls which just in the girls which just completely struck me <laughs> and it was about girls grow up looking at magazines and being told what to become mm -hmm. and in the meantime boys are allowed to become mm. oh my gosh it was so that paragraph alone was so powerful that being said the subject matter is heavier than i was anticipating because of the manson murder kind of um a kind of backdrop um but also the sexual content in this book is high and i know i know that i'm a prude i know it <laughs> i own it like um, but I also am a reader, and so I do not always let sexual content bother me, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of skim over it. It is what it is. This is very descriptive and very explicit, and I do feel like I need to say that because at least in Thomasville, we have readers who would care deeply about that. Mm -hmm. And so that is kind of my caveat. I think this book is well-written. It's a debut novel. Um, it's not perfectly written. It is not going to go on my favorite books of 2016. It's, it's a little bit different from what I would typically love anyway, but I did enjoy it. Hunter, who I also encouraged to read it, and we may do a Love It or Loathe episode around it, he really enjoyed it. Um, it's very different, took a very different spin than I was anticipating, but you can kind of guess that from the cover. Sure. This isn't kind of your typical um, feminist fair, I don't think. Um, it's something a little bit different. I think people are going to be talking about this one for a while. It'll get you talking. It'll get your book club talking. Um, just be aware of some of the content. Felt a little gratuitous to me. Mm. Um, but I cannot wait to see what Emma Klein does next because I didn't think this was a perfect novel, but I feel like if this is her debut, I can't wait to see how she grows. Praying for not a sophomore slump. Yeah, that's okay. right. Uh, so speaking of growing up as a woman, um, <laughs> something I've not done. <laughs> 
Um, but Mara Wilson has. Oh, Mara Wilson has. So she wrote a memoir called Where Am I Now? You listeners may know Mara Wilson from Matilda, a role that she played when she was a child. Or if you're darkly hip, you may listen to Welcome to Night Vale, where she plays the recurring character, the faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home. I didn't know that. Yes, and she was excellent. That's fantastic. So tell me about her memoir. So I follow her on Twitter. So when I found out she had a book coming out this fall, I emailed my publisher and I was like, I would like this, please. And thankfully, my sales rep sent me a copy. Um, really enjoyed it. If you like Lena Dunham, think kind of Lena Dunham light. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think it's as strongly, powerfully written as Lena Dunham's work. But the essays are interesting. Um, if you are interested in what it's like to grow up in Hollywood. She mm. does talk a lot about that. She also talks about the death of her mother mm-hmm. that happened right after she filmed Matilda. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite essay in the book by far was her letter to Matilda. Oh. Um, it is fantastic. The book is worth that essay alone, I think. Um, I didn't love all the other essays, but I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. I think she's a good storyteller. Yeah. And I think she has kind of made her career. She's moved from acting into storytelling. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of made that her thing. And um, I think she's a good storyteller. I can't wait to see maybe what she might do with stories that aren't her own. Do you know what I mean? I do. Um, I'll be interested to see if she maybe writes other things and maybe this memoir is kind of to see if there's enough interest mm. out there. Um, I know she does voice work. Yeah. Um, and she does a lot of radio uh-huh. and um, podcasts. Mm-hmm. She I, has a podcasting. blog as well. Yeah. I um, but I, I enjoyed that one. If you can, check this book out for that essay, though, that letter to Matilda. Um, and I did, I will say that I did laugh out loud at parts. And there, you know, there are some really neat, sweet things she says about Robin Williams. Um, Robin Williams. Yeah. And then there's also, she really has some fun insight into like Danny DeVito and what it was like to be on set with him at Matilda. Um, so there are some real gems in here. I think it's worth a read. It's not the best book you'll ever read. Um, but it's perfectly enjoyable. Good. I would like to thumb through that at least. Yeah, you should grab it. Um, the next one, uh, the new Leanne Moriarty, Truly Madly Guilty. God, I read some good books in May. Um, Truly Madly Guilty, I think, when I posted on Instagram that I was reading this, so many comments because so many people want to read this book. Um, I am a Leanne Moriarty fangirl, meaning <laughs> I genuinely like everything she writes. I think her covers, and I've said this before, I think they do her a disservice. Mm. They make it look like Chiclet. Right. And I think she is better than Chiclet. And go ahead and roll your eyes. I know Chiclet is not some politically correct term, but I don't know what else to call it. Like, <laughs> But a lot of people, I think, just assume it's kind of this light fluff. Her books start there, but they go much deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I frequently tell people to start with what Alice forgot. And sure enough, my friend, um, a friend of mine recently read it, and she wrote me and she said, I totally wasn't expecting to have like an existential yeah. crisis when I was reading this book because um, the character starts out 29 and then she wakes up and realizes she's had an accident and she's really 40 oh. and she doesn't know what happened to that decade of her life. She doesn't know why her marriage fell apart, why her kids are the way that they are. And it made me cry about my marriage. Like it was just, it was really powerful. All of her books to me are like that. Interesting. They start with these kind of weird, funny scenarios. Um, she is darkly funny. Um, but they start with these kind of funny scenarios, and then they kind of have you asking questions about yourself and your your life and your family. And 
Um, Truly Madly Guilty is very similar to the rest of her work. It's super long. Like that, yeah. I don't know if you saw the advanced reader copy. I didn't. It is thick. I don't remember how many pages, maybe 500. Um, wow. So yeah, not yeah. what I was expecting. But like with her other books, you will kind of fly through it. It took me a while to get into. Um, took me a little while to get into the rhythm of the narration. And then once I was in, I was sold. Um, it is very difficult to not give too much away. So I will just say that there's an event that happens in this book and you spend most of the book trying to figure out what the event was and why these friends aren't talking to each other anymore. Um. And it is, gosh, it's just so well done. She, she doesn't, she hasn't messed up yet. All of her books are so good. And now is the time to read her because HBO has just turned Big Little Lies into a movie right. miniseries yeah, thing. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you have not read her, what are you doing? <laughs> go to the library, <laughs> go to your bookstore, pick some of these up because they are fantastic. These are summertime books. So if you're talking about books and their seasons, Leah Moriarty is a summer writer. Um, maybe that's because she's in Australia, where it's like oh. summer all the time. <laughs> right? Right? No. You're looking at but me like, no. Well, their seasons are backwards in yeah. the Southern Hemisphere, so it's winter there now. Okay. Well, her books are very summery. They all take place in Australia. Um, okay. Anyway... Truly Madly Guilty comes out in July. I'm so sorry. Don't be mad at me because I got to read it first. Um, but pre-order it. Read her backlist in the mm -hmm. meantime. Um, I, she has so far not led me astray ever. Excellent. We will have them in stock for you. Yes, we will. And I think this last one was your favorite, The Mothers by Britt Bennett. Oh my gosh. Okay. The Mothers by Britt Bennett comes out in October. Oh, so, so long to wait. I know. I'm so sorry. Um... But picked this one up strictly on cover alone, and you and I were talking before mm -hmm. we hit record that Riverhead just keeps putting out... Killing the game. Gosh, these beautiful books. And then they wound up being just as beautifully beautifully done on the inside, mm -hmm. too. Um, and so The Mothers is by Brett Bennett. This is a debut work. I cannot believe it is a debut work. Mm -hmm. it, um, talk about, speaking of debut novels, The Girls and Emma Klein... This is a book I never would have guessed was a debut. Um, the premise is simple. Um, the main character, Nadia Turner, is 17 and her mother has just suddenly passed away. And she is kind of, her father is just completely devastated and grieving. And she is just ready to get out of her small California town. She's, you know, she is ready to make a clean break. The death of her mother has been devastating. And so she's ready to move on. And instead, she kind of falls in love with the local pastor's son. And he um, suffered this deep injury and so no longer gets to play college football. And so they kind of are, dwell in one another's misery and kind mm. of fall in love. And then something happens between the two of them. And the book goes from there and follows them into adulthood and how that decision and that event kind of transformed their lives. Um, what I really love about this book and where the book's title comes from is that at the start of each chapter and really throughout each chapter, these women kind of narrate for you like a Greek chorus. Ah. Um, and they're these black mothers, these from the local church. So you have in your mind exactly awesome. what they must be like. Awesome. The narration is stunning. The, the role those mothers play and just their quiet voice in the background, they're they are never anywhere but there. And the way that Britt Bennett does that, I, it just it blew my mind. Like I kept thinking, oh, are they going to become a bigger part of the story? No, no they are just, just there, there <laughs> as a Greek chorus. 
Uh, oh my gosh. It, to me, it was brilliant. Um, because it's not coming out not until October, not a lot of other people I know have read it. So I don't know what other people think, but I hope everybody loves it as much <laughs> as I did because it will go on my best of 2016 list. Um, I already am starting my list and it will be on there for sure. Not out until October. So go ahead and read some of these others that were on my list. Um, but it is so good. It's so good. I actually think you would like it I, a lot. That one is one that I definitely want to read. I gave it to Hunter, so you should read it next. Okay. Um, I can do that. It, and it's so compelling. Gosh, it's beautifully written, but it's also a page turner. Like, I finished it in two days. It, it just was so well done. So please read The Mothers. Pre-order it. Um, maybe I'll even put it on our website so you can pre-order it from us if you're so inclined. We will ship it to you the moment it comes in. Um, it is fantastic. Mm. Yeah. I can't wait. It's so good. <laughs> um, so what are you reading right now? Let's talk about what I finished yesterday. Yeah. Um, on Wednesday, I looked at the Brookwood School summer reading table yeah. that we have set up, and I saw We've Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. And my good friend Laurel, a couple months ago, was reading about this book to me. Her phone case is actually a line from that book. Okay. And I thought, oh, I'll look at that. It's only 200 pages. I read half of it in the store on Wednesday, <laughs> and then I brought it home and read the other half yesterday morning, and it was great. Uh, had you read Shirley Jackson I before? had read The Lottery before, Okay. as yep. I think most people have. Yep. Um, this was, I looked up later, her last novel, written in 1962. She died in 1965. Okay. Um, it is about these two sisters and their uncle who live in this house, and their family was all poisoned and died six years previously. And the village around their house very much does not like them because of this big poisoning that took place. Oh, gosh. Um, and does not trust them and don't like them at all. Okay. Um, Super dark. It's very. It's a very dark premise, mm -hmm. and it is a very dark story, but I never felt hopeless. Okay. Um... What genre would you describe it as, or That's is like, it genreless? It is um, some kind of psychological thriller because of the unreliable narrator. Okay. Unreliable narration. It's an 18-year-old who's clearly got some problems okay. in her life. Okay. Um, who has who's narrating the story, and it's hard to trust what she is saying. Okay. Um. And a lot of, a lot of things happen. All right. <laughs> but it's a quick 214 pages. Clearly, you finished I read it, it so fast. Yeah, I know. I read it in two sittings. It was beautiful. I loved it. There were so many sentences that I just wanted to, like, underline, but I didn't buy the book, so I didn't. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would have had to buy the book. And I would love to buy the book, and I will when I get paid again, but June is going to be a rough time for me <laughs> financially. So, we will figure things out, but... We've always, always lived in the castle by Shirley Jackson. We have them for Brookwood. Even if you don't go to Brookwood, <laughs> I recommend picking one up. I think it's great. Okay. You've got me intrigued because I've been looking at that Brookwood summer reading table and wondering about the Westing game, which uh -huh. I never had to read in school, and kind of wondering if I should take that one with me. Um, I'm about to go out of the country for a week, and I'm looking for just quick little things I could read yeah. maybe and take with me. Um, but maybe I should take the Shirley Jackson. I don't know. I, I think you'd like it. It might be fun. Um, I am reading another ARC. I'm very proud of myself. I'm sticking to, my, yeah. sticking to my reading resolution to read ARCs. That being said, 
it just is a never-ending pile. Like, yeah. I am never going to finish right. all of the advanced reader copies that I have, and I hate that because I'm a finisher. Um, but I'm reading The Dollhouse by, I think her name is Fiona, Fiona Davis. Um, I like it so far. It kind of flips back and forth between 1956 and 2016. Okay. Um, and it takes place at the Barbizon Hotel in New York City. Okay. Which was a hotel for women coming to study to be secretaries. Oh, in the 50s. yeah. Uh-huh. And now it is an apartment complex. And so that's where you're kind of going back and forth to kind of discover the history and the women who lived here. Um, I like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve whether I love it or not. Um, I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, it depends on where the author takes it. Sure. Um, but, a good I'm, but I'm enjoying it, and I do like the premise. I think the premise is promising. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what I think of it. Um, but that is what I read in May. So. All right. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for listening. You can find full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes or on our store website. That's www.bookshelfthomasville.com. And you should be following us on social media. Um, we are on Twitter and on Instagram at BookshelfTville, and we would love for you to follow us. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>